Well, good morning again. As we continue in the theme of Christmas, last week we spoke of the angels having a celebration or a party, and this week I want to talk about the shepherds and the celebration that they had. And again, we're in Luke chapter 2. And focusing on verses 8 through 11, last week we started with 9, but I want to back up one. And it says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings with great joy of all people. That is for all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So we sort of look at this Christmas event and, and, and we think about the kingdom of God and what this meant, the promise that was fulfilled. And with God, compared to how we think, it seems like everything is upside down at times. It makes really total sense that the God of universe would be born to an unwed family and first presented to these dirty poor shepherds. And he starts out there as they were living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night again. We talked about how this was the lowest class of, of people really considered in that area. They were out with their animals uh, for extended period of times. So a lot of times uh, their clothes would be dirty and smelly. They were probably dirty and smelly also. And here is the place that God reveals himself to them. It says, And the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory shone around them. And it says, and they were greatly afraid. We would think, well, why would somebody be afraid of, of God revealing this great presence? Well, the Bible talks a lot about things that we don't know. And through all of this, I mean, if you really put yourself in that position, all of a sudden you're out in the, the dark. And I used to like to go coon hunting at night. And I'd be out there chasing my dogs. And sometimes we would just be laying in a field just listening to the dogs or letting the dogs do their things and you could stare up to the heavens and just imagine those heavens opening up and these angels, these celestial beings coming. But God also tells us not to be afraid. That we have our hope and our trust in Him. Of course, we're looking back to the, the greatness of this. But in the Bible many times it talks about do not be afraid and, and I had marked some of these down because I think it's an important thing to understand both fear and not being afraid are important things in our life. I think there's an importance to having a fear and a reverence towards God. But there's also a place where God tells us, do not be afraid. In Genesis 21, it said that an angel appears to Hagar. It said, do not be afraid. Genesis 26, God appears to Isaac in the night and says, do not be afraid. Genesis 46, he speaks to Jacob and says, do not be afraid. Numbers 21. He speaks to Moses about a battle that's going to happen. And says, do not be afraid. Joshua 8. He encouraged 
Joshua and he tells him, do not be afraid. Judges 6, he appears to Gideon, who is sure he is going to die. But God encourages him and says, do not be afraid. Daniel 10, the angel appears to Daniel and touches him on the shoulder and says, do not be afraid. Luke 1.13, an angel appears to Zechariah as he is serving the temple and he says, do not be afraid. Luke 1.30, the angel appeared to Mary, the mother of Jesus, to announce about Jesus and tells her, do not be afraid. Matthew 1.20, God appears to Joseph to tell him about Jesus and he tells him also, do not be afraid. Matthew 28, the resurrection of Jesus who tells the women that see him. So here he has died and he has risen again and they see this resurrected Jesus walking around and he tells them, do not be afraid. Acts 18, we have an account where he appears to Paul in a vision to uh, encourage him to be silent. We don't think of that sometimes. God can encourage us to be silent, but he says, do not be afraid. Acts 27, 24, angel appears to Paul again. Tells him about his trial before Caesar. He's going to be persecuted. He says, do not be afraid. And in Revelation 1.17, Jesus shares about the end time revelations. And he's sharing these things with John. And John's mind can't even comprehend these things. But he tells him, do not be afraid. And so I mention these things because both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, we, we see this proclamation that goes out. Do not be afraid. The angels told them, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all the people. The angels wanted to comfort. But I think that there's something amongst modern-day Christians where we sort of embrace that of not being afraid. We don't have a fear, which can also be translated into respect in many cases for the Lord. We sing songs about it. We talk about it, but do we really have the fear of the Lord in us to do what he has called us to do? And so we see the shepherds are going to, in verse 18, it says they go out and they begin to, to spread this message. So I think we've lost sometimes a, a healthy sense of this fear and respect that we are to have for the God who opened up and gave those shepherds a peak of the celestial things, of the supernatural things that were happening that night. Did those shepherds have a, a right to be afraid? Was that reasonable? Sure it was. It was something that they had never seen or experienced and uh, things that have never happened since. And sometimes those things happen in our life too and, and we can be afraid at the moment when we're facing uncertain things in our life as we talked about those that were going to go before Battles, those that were going to stand before kings or judges to be ruled upon. We can have that fear. We live in a, a time now in this world where there's just a lot of uncertainty that is going on around us about the sickness, about um, our government, about just the world in the direction that it's going. And do we have a right to be afraid of some of those things? Yes, I think we do in some means. But we need to understand that our ultimate authority is God and that he is in control. So while we may have some fears about those things and it's not wrong just to dismiss those things out of our life, 
we know that we serve a sovereign God who is in control of these things. But many times we think that fearing God is for the Old Testament folks and that the love of God is just for the New Testament folks and, and that just isn't so. We need to have both. They had both in the Old Testament, they have both in the New Testament. By the way, we're the ones that sort of divide those things out. But we need both of those things in our life. They were afraid, these shepherds, as we could think about them, before they began their celebration, so we can think of the fear that was probably there, the awe that was there. They were afraid that they would be wiped away and, and maybe killed by these heavenly hosts. They had no idea what this was about until the announcements came. They were afraid about what the message might be. You know, when God speaks to us, are we always willing to listen to his message? Or do we fear sometimes about what God may call us to do? And I think we do. Sometimes for people, they don't really want to think about missions because what if God calls me away from my comfort zone, from the area that I'm in? I just had a discussion yesterday with a, with a good friend and we were talking about a missionary friend that we both know who he said they just sort of depend on the Lord all the time. It's like, oh, the Lord brought us together for this and they were ready to go in a drop of a hat. Most of us can't do that. But these shepherds, they were afraid about what the message might be and how it would change their lives. Think about that. When God speaks to us, it changes us. And sometimes even for a believer, we can be afraid of those things. Because at least for me, the older I get, the less change I like in my life sometimes. It tells us that they were in complete awe in actually seeing visibly these things of heaven. The heavenly spiritual beings come down. Can you imagine that? I, I don't think our mind can really comprehend what it would be like to have an angel stand before us or the heavens to light up the world and to have God speaking through these beings. That the spiritual realm was, was really coming into our physical life. We talk a lot about the spiritual side of things. We talk about our spiritual side of things. But when those two manifest themselves together, the shepherds probably really didn't know what it meant until it was told. So the shepherds are witnesses. We see this. And the desire of these shepherds, after they had this encounter, after they saw these angels come and talk and give the message, was to tell others. Now I want to ask you, if you're a born-again believer, if you know Jesus Christ as your life, as your Savior, is it your desire to tell others about Christ? What is your willingness to do that? Do you think about even how you approach that situation? The passage says, in, in verse 18 anyways, when they had seen him, Jesus, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. These shepherds who nobody probably would give the time of day to before, when they spoke of the things that God had done in their life and said, all were amazed at what they were saying. The words that you and I say in the flesh really have no eternal significance, but the things that we share that God lays upon us can change people's lives. It's important that we know that. 
I can imagine maybe hearing what the 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 least of these people as uh, the world would look upon them are saying as they left Bethlehem they could have been saying we saw God in the flesh can you imagine that somebody coming and saying I saw God in the flesh we saw the savior of humanity we saw the savior of the world sometimes we can look back and all and just just think of the the, the awesomeness that that would be to see the Savior of the world laying there. I, I mean, our minds can't imagine it. We, we talk about it lightly sometimes, or just sort of matter-of-factly that this is what happened. These angels appeared, they sent the shepherds, they went to Bethlehem. I mean, we just sang five choruses of the first Noel that sort of gives the, the story in a, in a nutshell. But those people who got to see this baby born, those people that got to see Jesus through his life, what an awesomeness that would be. And these shepherds, these lowly shepherds could say, we've seen the Savior of humanity. We saw the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. What a, what a thing to say. What a thing to be blessed with. But they'd say he was just a little baby in a barn. When we think of a king, we think of a, a ruler, a majesty, a, a person mature in their stature. But here God wrapped it in swaddling clothes in a little baby. The challenge here as we come into this season is many times we, share, share, uh, we say that we share the gospel by how we live. And I think for some people that that's an excuse not to be verbal about it, not to go out and and interact with it that we just say you know what I'm just going to be an example to people how I live people have all sorts of reasons why they they don't want to verbalize things they say well I'm not eloquent in my speech I don't really have my, my Bible memorized I don't have this or that or you know I'm a shy person whatever we can think about um, you know the ignorance of scripture many times is our own fault because we don't spend time in it but that's not all that sharing the gospel is about is just quoting scripture at somebody it's telling people what Christ has done in your life, what Jesus has done in your life what God means to you in your life so why we can say well, we can be a, a testimony by the way we live, that's true but witnessing for Christ also oftentimes means that we need to use words to explain what God has done and how God wants to change a person's life we use words to explain those things that we know to be true. And so are you doing that in your life? Are you sharing the gospel with those people? You know, we can, we can I think I heard on the news, um, 300,000 people have maybe died through this uh, uh, pandemic that's going on, whatever. People die every day of, of all sorts of things, so I'm not just focusing on that. But that number sort of struck me that that was like when I was growing up, that's the size of a, a city. It's like a whole city being wiped out. It's like 150 Augustas gone. And I wonder sometimes how many of those people have died not hearing the gospel message. Was there opportunities that people could have shared the gospel message with them? It's fine and good to pray for people that are sick, but are we sharing the gospel? Because guess what? The Bible tells us there's a day coming when we're all going to die. 
But if we die without Jesus, we go to hell. If we die with Jesus, we have eternal life. So we need to use our words to explain this gospel message to people around us. Witnessing is really sharing why Jesus is important to us in the difference that he has made in our life. Could you share that with somebody? The difference that Jesus has, has made in your life and why that's so significant, both for you and for the lost. We don't like to use words like judgment or hell or, or punishment or things like that. We like to make people feel good where they're at. Everybody's good. Warm fuzzies, we used to call them, I think when I was in junior high. We always wanted to give out these warm fuzzies to people. And why it's true that people have good qualities in them, the Bible tells us that there's none good except God who's in heaven. So these shepherds are our example today as they, as they jump from fear to faith. And that's what we need to do, I think, in our life. And then especially in this season when we celebrate the birth of our Savior. The shepherds spread the word about Jesus and were faithful witnesses about his birth. I want, I want to emphasize his birth, that, that God came down to earth in the form of a baby. He was born. And we need to do the same. We need to, to be a witness during this Christmas season. And we talk about this every year. And for you, those of you that have been in church a long time in your life, you probably hear this every Christmas season where pastors get up and they'll tell you, you know, we need to, to really emphasize Jesus this year. We need to really emphasize. I want to tell you, it's not just this time of season, though it's the time when people are more receptive, I think, to things. And it's a time probably when, even though we look at it as a holy holiday, it gets sort of muted with Santa and, and other things that go on. But all year long, we need to be doing this. And so I, I want to challenge you just with a couple things. Don't say happy holidays. And I would say, maybe not always say, don't say Merry Christmas. Train yourself maybe to say Jesus is the reason for the season. When you have that opportunity to talk to somebody, because Merry Christmas has become sort of a cliche in this world today. And Merry Christmas is much better than Happy Holidays, let me tell you. But tell people, get the message out there that Jesus is this reason for the season. We're here to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Verbalize and tell people those things. And, you know, how, how do we present that? And I just think, you know, we need to do it and be creative in doing it. We don't want to be obnoxious to people, but we want to get that message through to people. Second, don't send secular Christmas cards. And I know most of us here probably have something about, you know, Bethlehem or Jesus, and, that, and that's... That's a good thing. But sometimes I know people that they have friends that aren't Christians or aren't um, religious, and so they, they'll send them something with Santa or whatever. You know, don't send secular Christmas cards. And include a scripture in them. You know, if you can do this, you're sharing the word with them. Even if the, the card is a beautiful card and there's no scripture in it, write a scripture in there. Share a scripture whether they go to church or not, because they're going to read that scripture. And you know what the Bible tells us? 
that when we sow those seeds, it will not come back void. It's going to get in somebody's life and make a difference. Third thing I think is sort of a neat idea is to buy a gift for somebody. And it, it maybe somebody that you've been praying for to come to the Lord. You know, I think we waste a, a lot of money. I don't know if waste is the, the correct word, but we, we, we buy each other things um, like crazy sometimes. And, you know, not that those gifts are wrong, but what about the people that need to hear the message? I sometimes think, could some of that money be better used somewhere else? So if you've got somebody you've been praying for, plant the seed of the gospel. You know, it can be a book. If you know somebody that is a, a reader, buy them something like uh, More Than a Carpenter by Josh McDowell. It's a, it's a great book. It's a great, easy read. It's got the gospel message in there. There's another one, The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. He was one that set out to prove that God was not real. And he got saved through these things. Evidence that demands a verdict is another one. There's great books out there that you can do. Those are just some thoughts on books. But there's other things that you can do too. So think of something that, that might move their heart towards God. Somebody you've been praying for, somebody you've been thinking about. I know we've, we've uh, been praying for some people that we've been trying to reach out to as a, as a church. Maybe something like that is... is Something good to do. Invite them to Christmas service. I mean, we're gonna—we're not a big, elaborate church. We're not going to have a, a great, big, huge, uh, orchestrated production. But we share the gospel and we serve the Lord from our heart. Invite them to a Christmas service. You know, more people are likely to go to church during the Christmas season and Easter than any other time of the year because it's sort of ingrained in society that those are the religious times of the year. I was raised that way. I mean. We could miss a lot of Sundays, but we needed to make sure that we made it there on Christmas and Easter, right? So a lot of times people are a little bit more receptive to coming to church at one of those two times. And I know this year it's, it's a little bit different because of some of the concerns and that. That's fine. You can still invite them. The invitation is there. They'll hear the gospel message. And who knows? People won't come unless you ask, right? And who knows, they may accept that. Post some Christmas verses. I know a lot of you are on Facebook. A lot of you are on social media. I don't know if a lot of you are on Twitter. I'm not on a lot of those, but I know I'm on Facebook. And I know a lot of you are. Post some scriptures out there. I get encouraged when I look around and I, and I see what some of you guys are writing and just those encouragement things. But it's a great time of the year to really point people towards the Savior again. Invite someone over. Hospitality is, is a gift that God gives us. And again, I know these times can be sort of complicated in that, but hey, you know, people are going out to eat in restaurants and things. Have a family over to your house for maybe dinner or something. Again, people that you're praying for, people that you can maybe share with. And just use that time for a, a, a lighthearted talk about the Lord. You know, your intent is true. But get them over there, that personal contact. You know, it says that people don't really care what you know until they know how much you care. Well, hospitality is one way of showing people that you care. And even in your Christmas home, you know, take a time out to, to read the, the Christmas story. You know, read through, you know, Luke 1 and 2. You know, it's your home, right? You can do what you want to in your home. Even if you got some friends or family there that, that aren't Christians, hey, Read it. It's your home. 
It's a way to share that gospel message. So just some thoughts that, that I had, because we're in the second week of December already. This year has gone fast, even though it's it seems like we've been wading through a swamp this whole year. Uh, but we're in the second week of, of December, and we really want to make sure that our hearts and our minds are focused upon Jesus. And as we do that, and as we live it out, and as we speak it out, we want to really make a difference, and we want to impact the lives that we come in contact with. I often think, you know, when we get up to heaven, we stand before the Lord, how did we impact the lives that we came in contact with? And again, I know it's been a challenging year, and our, our, our thoughts a lot of times are, are to uh, sort of recoil right now and to, to stay isolated a little bit, and, and I understand that. I have a lot of that in myself. But we can reach out to people in a lot of different ways. Just get creative. You don't need to do any one certain thing. Do something you're comfortable with. The, the importance is that we do it. As the shepherds did it. As they were told, you know, that they, that they went out in verse 18. How do they say that? And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told to them by the shepherds. So they had went out and told what they had seen. I want to be a person that impacts lives. I don't know about you. But I think it's a tragedy when God's people are not focused strongly on Jesus Christ. Not just during a season, but every day. We need to be focused on our Lord every day because our days are drawing short. The older we get, the fewer days we have. You know, they call it over the hill for a reason. Some of us are on the, the downhill side of things. But beyond that... None of us knows how many days we got left. And so we need to use those days wisely. Today we need to remember that Jesus Christ came to save everyone from the greatest to the least. He revealed himself to the shepherds. Sometimes we look around our communities or we can look at people and say, you know, that person's never going to change. We got to give that hope and that confidence that Christ can change the lives. He didn't just come for those that are great, but he came for those that are least, and that's in our opinions too. Um, and everyone in between, because they all matter to God. What did he say? He said, we come to bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all the people, every person. Today we may have a healthy fear, awe, and respect for our God Almighty. We need to remember that, that we need to have that respect, that awe, and that fear. You know, there's a, a day that's coming. And we're going to stand before God. And it tells us that we're going to give a, an account for every idle word we speak. That's not a, a judgment of salvation. That's a judgment of works. So we're still going to stand before God someday. And we need to give an account for those things. So, so you know, we need to have this, this healthy fear and awe in respect of, of what God is calling us to do. And today we need to commit ourselves to being witnesses about Jesus' birth. You know, a lot of times we put it off well tomorrow. Next week. I'll take care of this sooner or later. And you know what? We blink our eyes and the world has changed. We blink our eyes and someone's gone. We blink our eyes and there can be a lost opportunity. But yet God tells us, do not fear. And I will say this, we don't need to fear when we're following him. We don't need to fear when we're walking in him. The apostles who were so afraid when they were in the boat and the storm rose up, hey, you know, looking back at that, and I could see why they were afraid back then. 
But really looking back and with that Holy Spirit in us, when we look back, is there any need to fear when God's in the boat with us? Or should I say when we're in the boat with God? No, there's not. With the word, he can still the storm. With the word, he is with us and he will give us that strength. John 10, I'll close with verses 14 and 15. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows and I, me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Those shepherds that the angels revealed the birth of Christ to, it's an amazing thing. Those shepherds put their life at risk many times. They knew their sheep. It talks about times uh, in the Bible where a bunch of herds could be together in a valley and a shepherd could stand up and he could give his call or whatever he did, make his sound or give his hoot. And them sheep knew their shepherd and they would come out from amongst the other sheep and follow that shepherd. That shepherd knew his sheep and those sheep knew their shepherd. Well, Jesus says the same thing. He says, I am the good shepherd. Christ is our shepherd and guess what? We're the sheep, right? And he says, and my sheep know me. If you're truly a sheep of Christ, you know him as well as he knows you. And just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus died for our sins. The birth is the beginning. We know what's going to happen down the road, right? But he came knowing that. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine knowing that if I go to this place and I live here and do this, that at the end of my time, I'm going to be put to death. And the people that I came to help and to save, they're going to be the ones that put me to death. Would you be willing to go? Most of us would have real great concerns about that. But Jesus says, I lay down my life for the sheep. He laid it down that we might have life and that more abundantly. All the blessings that we have, everything that the world has commercialized with Christmas is because we have been born where we are. The blessings that we have to go out and to buy gifts is because God has blessed us and provided for us. Wouldn't it be nice to give him just a portion of that which we give ourselves? Wouldn't that be great to recognize him and, and spend as much time worried about his word and his devotions as sometimes we do decorating our house and baking cookies and Christmas shopping? Wouldn't that be wonderful? I think we should do that. I think that needs to be a challenge for us. We're the sheep. He's the shepherd. He laid down his life for us. Jesus died for you and me that we could have eternal life and be able to have a relationship with God. When he says do not fear, that fear is that relationship that when we come to him, we are no longer in bondage to sin and guilt and shame. That's the true gift of Christmas. That's the good news that the shepherds proclaim. And that's what we should be proclaiming too. Let's pray.